Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hey everyone, I'm here with Anna Keem for Sidewalk Pajamas. Let's get into it. You were born in New York City, yeah. right? And then you moved to Encinitas in kind of close to San Diego. Yeah, yeah. so Encinitas is North County, San Diego. It's about 25 minutes north mm -hmm. of San Diego. How'd your parents decide to go from like New York to, like that's two different coasts? Well, okay, so my dad is from New York and my mom is actually from the Philippines. Okay, gotcha. So my mom was a stewardess who was based in Hong Kong and my dad was doing international business in Hong Kong. So they met over there and then they went to New York, I was born, then we went back to the Philippines for a year as my dad was trying to figure out where in America he wanted to settle down. Interesting. And uh, it was, apparently according to them, it was between Houston and San Diego and everybody told them, they're like, no, 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 you have to pick San Diego. Because yeah. it, it was, back then it wasn't as populated and it was like this jewel, you know? Interesting. So uh -huh. that's how I ended up in, in Encinitas. What are like some of your favorite, spot, favorite spots growing up there? A moonlight Beach. I was at that beach constantly. I grew up skateboarding. So a lot of my favorite spots are actually really famous skate spots uh -huh. like San Guido High and uh, Mira Mesa High, gotcha. stuff like that. It's like so random, but no, those mean, are my favorite spots. Did you like skate with friends or were you just like by yeah, yourself? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I skated with friends. I had two friends who actually turned pro. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I was never, huh. I was never that good. I was always, I was more afraid of falling. Like Fair, I was, I was good yeah. at, I was good at flip tricks, but you know, the most I ever all was like a ten stare. And it took a long time for me to I have no idea what that. that is. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fine. Also, like in your childhood, like you went to the Philippines um, a couple times, right? Because mm -hmm. you have dual citizenship. Yeah, I have dual citizenship with the Philippines. So we would travel, when I was younger, we would travel there uh, basically every year for oh, up until I was like, up until I was about 10 or 11. Yeah, so me and my mom would travel there every single winter here, which is the summer over there. And it's always summer there. Yeah, right. <laughs> we would we would stay for a month to a month and a half at a time. That's a lot. Yeah. So would you say like you have a really like close connection to like that side of your culture? Yeah, yeah. Without question, I was raised more Asian mm -hmm. than I was uh, Latino, like for my Puerto Rican side. Is your grandma and grandpa like on your mom's side all in the Philippines still, or did they move here too? So so they all passed, but they all stayed in the Philippines. My grandmother visited me one time. I actually never got a chance to meet my grandfather, but uh, yeah, we would go over to visit her more than anything because that's where all my cousins were. We could, you know, they yeah. couldn't all come at the same time. Like our house wasn't that big, so and it was really cool having having that sort of big family because you know I'm an only child and it was basically oh. just just me, my mom, and my dad, mm -hmm. and we didn't I didn't have any cousins who were close to me at all. Mm -hmm. So I mean in proximity. Yeah. So so yeah, it was really I, I loved going over there. I loved having that big family feel because I, I didn't have that. Yeah, Grew up, like being an only child. Yeah. yeah, I feel that. I'm an all, also an only child. So. There you go. Yeah. Um, so like you played piano since the time I think you were seven years old, also, or? Yeah, I played I played piano from seven to seventeen. And, and you like then, got really good at it. Yeah, yeah. And then I got burned out of it, and I stopped. Um, went to college. 
And then it wasn't until my, I think my last year of college, where I was like, man, I really missed the piano. Like I, I was messing around on, on FL Studio, just making some hip hop beats and stuff like that. I decided to take it upon myself to find a piano teacher out here. And uh, I started taking piano again and I took piano for another two and a half years. And then I stopped because I felt like I had a good bass, mm -hmm. at least for, for you know, beat making and stuff. Is anyone else in your family like musical? They never took any instruments themselves, but I would say they are two of my biggest influences musically in terms of what they were listening to when I was growing up. Like my mom would always have, uh, you know, people like Earth, Wind & Fire, Stevie yeah. Wonder, like, like all of, who else, uh, Aretha Franklin, like she would always mm -hmm. be playing stuff like that. And then my dad would be playing stuff like one of his social club, and then he would show me, um, you know, like the Beatles and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, I would say they would be two of my biggest musical influences, even though they weren't musical themselves. Your friend took you to a rave to EDC and stuff. Yeah. Um, what was it that like really drew you to like this culture of like EDM and stuff? It was the community, like hands down by far the community. Um, so my, my very first rave was EDC 2010. Uh, it was the last year that they had it at the, in, in Los Angeles at the Coliseum. So my friend, my friend Brandon Tran, shout out Brandon Tran, um, <laughs> he just hit me up one day and he was like, hey, uh, I know it's not your thing, but we're gonna go to this, this rave. You know, I think you should come. And I was like, nah, man, like, that's totally not for me, you know? <laughs> And he goes, no, 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 Rick, just buy a ticket. Just buy a one-day ticket. Just come. And so I went, and I had never experienced, first off, I had never experienced anything like that. The entire Coliseum, that's where Kinetic Field was back then, main stage. Um, they had carnival rides there. You're walking through. It wasn't that crowded like it is today. Yeah, because, packed. Because, because the EDM scene hadn't reached its peak yet. So... I've, I think on that Friday alone, the lineup was something like, like Afrojack, Chucky, Dead Mouse, Swedish House Mafia, Above and Beyond, all in the same lineup. I had never heard music like that, and mind you, you know, it wasn't a big room sound back then either. It was, it was really, really cool, sort of like, like progressive house, mm -hmm. not crazy side trance or anything like that, like actual trance music. And it just opened my eyes to this whole new world. And every single person I met was so kind, so yeah. sharing, so giving. I went home that night, like literally my mind was blown. All my friends were, uh -huh. they all asked me, how, how did you like it? And I said, I loved it. I, I, I need to go on Craigslist right now and the find another Craigslist? ticket. Craigslist? Uh -huh. Literally, that's, like, that's how we got tickets. So uh -huh. I went on, I, got, I found a dude. I showed up at his house at like 10 a.m. the next day, and then I got the ticket, and then I went back for the second day because it was it was a two-day mm -hmm. festival back then. And then you went to like every rave after and that. Yeah, right? and then and then it was over. I went to every single rave after that. I went to every single Insomniac event that they had at um, like the Hollywood Palladium mm -hmm. or whatever. I went to every single event that was that was at Exchange, and I I basically turned into a professional raver for like five the years. Professional. I swear yeah. to God, like <laughs> just like pro raver. Yeah. Literally every single one. You were saying that it wasn't really like your scene. What was your scene? I was more into, <laughs> I was more into like commercial hip hop at the time. Gotcha. Just, you know, looking back on it, pretty whack music. <laughs> but, <laughs> like who were some of the people you listened to? Dude, oh, I don't care. 
embarrassing. Like, like Bubba Sparks and like, <laughs> like Lil John and stuff like that. You know, like when I was really young. Yeah. I only remember that one song by Bubba Sparks. What is it like? <laughs> oh, Big, Miss Booty, yeah, right? Was, yeah, 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 yeah. That was a that, time. That was the jam. Yeah. <laughs> that was the time, exactly. That was like an that era of music. <laughs> yeah. You were going to like raves and stuff. Like during, This is kind of like during college-ish years for you, right? Mm -hmm. And you went to UCLA mm -hmm. and studied geography. Um, mm -hmm. What made you like pursue that and why did you decide to follow that? So I started off as a, a biological anthropology major because I thought, I really thought I wanted to work with primates. So I started off as a, a biological anthropology major because I thought, I really thought I wanted to work with primates. Interesting. Like, I, I thought, I was just really fascinated with how they're so much like us, yet so different, and I just wanted to understand what the link was between us, you know, and what could be the missing link. So, so that's why I was studying biological anthropology, but then I read a book called Guns, Gyms, and Steel, not to get too boring, and it was like the most fascinating book I'd ever read, and I found out the dude who wrote the book, um, he won a Pulitzer for it, Jared Diamond, he was a professor at UCLA, and I, I just went online and I said, oh, he has a class, let me take the class, and you know, if you know anything about that world, he's, he's a total academic rock star, and I thought he was the most fascinating lecturer ever. So I switched my major on the spot to geography because I knew I actually wasn't going to be going into to that field. You went into the acting world and you didn't like it. Like you were, it, like it wasn't fulfilling for you. Why? Yeah, no, it wasn't fulfilling for me at all. I mean, I was on, I was on a good amount of TV shows. The um, Big Bang Theory yeah. and like NCIS. Yeah. yeah, Castle, like CSI New York, Pretty Little Liars, stuff like that. Um, and I just going the whole process of being in acting class and getting torn down every single time you do a scene and then you know having to learn your lines for an audition and then going into this really cold room with a bunch of producers and the casting directors and everyone just constantly judging you constantly judging you it just yeah. it was just cold all around at least for me that was my experience so I got over it really fast and I said I, you know I don't I don't care if I'm on these TV shows. I don't care if I can take this to another level where I'm like a series regular or something. Yeah. It's just, it, it just didn't fulfill me. It didn't feel right at all. And that's when I sort of found out about Icon Collective. Right. I just decided to turn, like make a huge 180 in my life and put all of my effort into music school. Different pieces of this say like a lot about like your personality, like how, with EDC and like electronic music, like you were so drawn to like the culture of it. And like right now you're talking about how with like acting, like you didn't like the cold culture of it. So it like tells me like you're a really warm, like grounded yeah. person. Yeah, yeah, I gravitate to warmth. I'm, I always try to be as nice and respectful to everyone. You know, yeah. like I, I like making new connections. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's just me. And that kind of ties into like the music you make. It's like more like deep and introspective. Yeah. Um, like what drew you to like making that kind of music? So I went to a Desert Hearts festival because my friend at the time was head of business development for them. And he was like, he was like, you know, I know you're in this sort of mainstream EDM world, but why don't you come and check out what the underground sound is like? Mm -hmm. And he kept telling me, he's like, you're gonna come, you're gonna feel this pop. And I'm like, what's, what's a pop? And he goes, something's gonna click in your mind. 
and your whole paradigm is going to change with what type of music you're really into. And so I went and there's this artist named Tara Brooks. She was playing this really deep, driving, melodic, intergalactic sound of music. And I remember I, I was sitting down with all my friends and I just closed my eyes and it's like, it's like I just took a journey through space. My friend Zen taps me and he goes, I feel like you just had an epiphany. And I uh, said, I bitch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. And I was like, dude, this is it. I, don't, I was like, I don't know what this style of music is. I was like, I don't know how to make it, but I'm in music school right now. I'm like, this is the vision. This is intergalactic. I'm like, intergalactic underground sounds. I'm going to make this. I'm going to have a, a, a mix series called Deep Space where I'm going to showcase this style of music. And like, I literally laid out all of the foundations for what Anakim is right now, all because of that one set. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like I got a download at that yeah. moment. So before you even got to this point where you're like performing at Coachella and all these big things, um, like you were really worried about like the pressures of like really doing this professionally, right? Like, yeah. Um, like, what was it like? I mean, to, like, I still am. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think that ever goes away. I don't think it ever goes away. You know, uh, I didn't know anything about the music industry. I had no idea how to get to where I am right now. Yeah, you know? you're just a fan. Of, I was yeah. I was literally just a fan who decided to go to music school. Mm -hmm. And then once out of music school, I was like, right. Uh, wait, so how do you get tracks signed? What the fuck like, do I do now? Yeah, what do I do now? You know, and I was at home just forever, just wondering, just trying to figure out what to do. I was getting so much, so much pressure from my parents, as like most people can relate. Yeah. And they're like, you're not making anything happen. You know, you pick this. What are you going to do? You're doing fine in acting. And I was just like, holy shit, I don't know what to do. But then I, I randomly sent music out to my friend uh, Aaron who happened to work at Hard at the time with a little bit of Aaron's help mm -hmm. and you know I've talked about this before uh, Lane 8 playing my tracks before they were all unsigned mm -hmm. to me going going on tour with him at the beginning that sort of got my foot in the door and a, a little bit of credibility that hey this kid can actually DJ inside of venues you know he's he's proven or at least he's proven a little in his own bedroom. Yeah. And now, yeah, yeah. I mean, my first my first show ever was at Sound, and me and, and the talent booker Mark Andrzejczyk, to this day, he always says like, "You bamboozled me." I thought you were. He's like, "I thought you were playing." I literally, he's like, "When I gave you the show with Jeremy Olander, I thought you had been playing. I did not know that you had never played outside of your yeah. bedroom." Like, Finesta, you know. I did good, right? <laughs> <laughs> Earlier, just then, you were talking about like uh, your parents were like on you and like pressuring you, like, um, and like it was really big for you to like make them proud, right? Like, can you tell me about your relationship with your parents? Yeah, my, my parents are wonderful. Um, my dad's sort of a hard ass, but uh, you know, he grew up in the Bronx, New York, right. and he got out of a really, really violent neighborhood um, and went to Harvard Business School. So he, he basically was someone who persevered over all of these circumstances when the majority of people would have crumbled and yeah. gone into a life of crime or selling drugs or something like that. So he's always placed this immense pressure on me to succeed in whatever I do. But at the same time, he's, he's supportive, 
but there's always that underlying tone that you know I have I have to make it because I have no other option mm -hmm. I have no other options while my mom is very emotional and caring and she's always told me you know whatever you have to think positively you have to truly believe in yourself first mm -hmm. and that's when you'll get everything she's that's like, awesome your because, mom's so supportive yeah because uh -huh. she she always said you know if you don't believe in yourself first why should anyone else believe in you mm -hmm. so right. it was a mixture of the two that that really drove me to be this like motivated individual who just yeah. who just really goes after what he goes after that's fortunate that you had like super supportive parents. I'm surprised your mom wasn't like, go be a nurse or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so Filipino, by the way. <laughs> yeah. In LA, like what are some of your favorite spots? So me and my girlfriend are on this, uh, we're on this basically tour de ramen. Of that sounds sick. Los huh? Angeles. Like we're obsessed with ramen. And so we live in West Hollywood, and there's a spot mm -hmm. called EAK that's just our, our number one go-to. We'll walk over there. Like people know us by name now. Damn. And we okay. always have they have we have our own little table. I'm like, how did how did, you? How did we get to this point? I looked at Bianca. I'm like, how did we get to this point that that we have this little neighborhood uh, ramen spot that knows us by name? But how did um, you go? Like what? Dude, we go like two or three times a week. It's a lot of sodium in your body. I know. It's probably killing us. <laughs> Whatever, we, we work out, we go to the gym. Um, <laughs> Just throw a vegetable in there. That's so funny. There's this, there's this uh, neighborhood bar restaurant called The Fat Dog that, we're, that we go to a lot too because we know everyone there also. But in terms of uh, actual uh, favorite spots, um, let me think. Okay, Silver Lake Ramen. I don't want to I don't want to stick on ramen too much. And then where do we go a lot too? Um, oh, there's this really amazing Mexican restaurant off of, I think it's West Adams. Like you go down La Brea and then you make a left on Adams. It's called uh, Los Anaya. It's, I've never heard of it. It's a sit-down Mexican restaurant. Oh. It's insane. It's not Why? even that expensive. I don't. So the restaurant was made by three brothers who came up from Mexico, and That's like they're sick. still oh. they're still cooking in the back. And I don't know if it's family recipes or whatever, but it's insane. I should go. That's yeah. a bomb right I'm now. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Mexican fan. Uh, yeah. Mexican food fan. Because, Mexican fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge Mexican food fan because I grew up in Southern California. Yeah, it makes sense. It's yeah, always here. Exactly. It's everywhere. Um, have you been to Sujita? Oh yeah, yeah on Sautel. Yeah, that place. Yeah, is it's I amazing. Like, it's so good. So fatty. It's amazing. Yeah. I can't go there too much though because my girlfriend happens to be uh, a vegan or vegetarian. Oh, so there's like no. And they don't they don't have a vegetarian option. It's all pork fatty. Yeah. Broth. Yeah. Yeah. So what things do you have coming up that you're allowed to tell us or anything new? Uh, I have a I have a big show coming up at the end of the month. This will probably be out before that, but I'm not allowed to talk about it right now. Uh, just know that it's going to be at a really big dance music club in downtown. So you guys should look out for lineups on there. Um, but I do have an EP that I'm really, really excited about coming out on Desert Hearts Black in December, I believe. It's called Poseidon's Revenge. And uh, <laughs> it has three tracks that I think are some of my best work to date. Awesome. Mm -hmm.